Zone Sports Network is taking you to the movies. This is the Movie Zone on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Happy pre-Thanksgiving week here on the Movie Zone. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give a guy a heads up. Yeah, that's uh, Johnny Lightfoot. You like I that? I think. That's pretty good. You got to admit, that was a pretty good Mr. Hankey. That was pretty good. Uh, he's Johnny. I'm Austin. And we're here to talk about movies and Mr. Hankey. And TV stuff. And, every, and we talk about it all. There was a, a movie with Mr. Hankey in, involved, wasn't there? Sure. Yeah. Let's let's just go with yes. Let's say there was. Yes. Uh, we've got <laughs> nine, nine new movies. It's awesome. Coming out this week. Uh, we had a, I had a very special opportunity to talk with now a friend of the show, Michael McLean, once again. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. You uh, you got to go see something that we talked about a few weeks ago. Didn't I didn't get to go see it. Okay, but you saw it. Yes. Uh, in fact, let's just dive right let's in on it. that. Let's do it. Let's go. one of the new uh, nine movies entering Megaplex and other theaters here in the Valley this week is The Forgotten Carols. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has been a, a movie uh, version of this done before where they taped uh, one of his stage performances. Oh, kind of like the Hamilton on Disney Plus kind of thing, kind right? Kind of. Okay. The old one was just one look, one camera. Oh, okay. They've now read... He First of all, he rewrote it, or his son, and right. he together rewrote it. They added a, a couple new songs. Cool. The updates that they put in it are terrific, uh, but they shot this one... The same way that they shot the Hamilton. So multi-camera, just some close-ups, some some distant shots, the you whole thing. F- you feel like you are you're there. You feel like you're a drone camera. Okay, so watching you're, a Broadway performance. I like that. It's pretty pretty I, cool. I like this thing that they, I mean, it's not new, but it's newish, mm-hmm. and I really like it. I mean, we've seen some stuff at different movie theaters where they show like, uh, here's Phantom of the Opera, for example, or something, and they're starting to do this more. And I really like this idea. Yeah. So Michael McLean and Brandon Purdy of Purdy Distributions, uh, I got a chance to catch up with them for about twenty minutes earlier this week, and uh, we'll play that in segment two today. My wife who I told Michael McLean last time he was on the show is... Big fan, right? His biggest yeah. fan in the world. Yeah, it's awesome. Especially of the Forgotten Carols. Uh, I surprised her. Oh. I didn't tell her that I'd gotten a screener. Yeah. I just said, I've got a surprise. I'm bringing it home. Make sure you don't have any plans. Bonus. Uh, which no one has any plans this day and age because we're all stuck at home. I, I just want to say, did you did you get that through the movie zone? What do you mean? Did I mean? Do you know? Did he send it to you because of the movie zone? He sent it to me because of my wife. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Where's mine? <laughs> You're not married to my wife. I, I, Your all, wife didn't say anything about being a fan. It's of the always two, man. Come on, it's <laughs> always two. Uh, there was only he wasn't. They weren't supposed to send it to me. Well, you know, you could have. You, you could have burned it. <laughs> no, it's not. It was a. <laughs> uh, it was a password protected encrypted thing. But anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. You're ruining the moment for my wife here. How rude of you. I'm sorry. She was so excited, and uh, actually, she got so excited when she realized what it was that I had to go back and pull the sound off of our security camera because she got that excited, and I I actually played it for Michael and Brandon. So stay tuned in segment two. You'll hear that. It's awesome. We'll have a little fun, but The Forgotten Carols in theaters starting Friday, and it's really, really, really worth your time to go see it. I wouldn't know. I'm going to have to go to the theater now. I'm sorry? Question mark. I I sent some sarcasm. Look, you have perks that I don't get uh, any part of. I share everything. (laughs) That's not true (laughs) whatsoever. Well, where's my Grammy? 
you weren't part of the band. <laughs> I, but I really was. You were. I mean, secretly. Yes, no one knew it. But without me, they wouldn't have. You wouldn't have made it that long. I'll give you an executive producer. Uh, we do have nine new movies to talk about, and we've got that interview in segment two. In segment three, from the archives, we're going all the way back to 1964. Four. 1964. That's right. My father was five and a half. Wow. When this movie debuted. And we still have the recorded off TV on the VHS yeah. tape at my mom's somewhere. Yeah, it's it's such a classic. So and we'll we're talk, gonna talk about, about that. We'll talk about that Christmas classic. What is it? You'll find out in a moment in segment three. <laughs> Actually, you'll find out right now. You because, will. Because, Johnny, you were in charge of the Sunday night movie zone movie showdown this I week. I was. I was. And I, I went total old school on us. I put uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas from 1965. Mm-hmm. against Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer from 1964. Yes. Two absolute classics that you see during the holidays. Both films completely different. Yes. And uh, it's an overwhelming win for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with 64% against uh, Charlie Brown Christmas at 36%. Now, as a child, these both felt like they were three hours long. They did. They're only like 41 minutes, something like that. Charlie Brown's exactly 30 minutes. And Rudolph, I think, is like 27 minutes. No. Yeah. No. I'm pretty sure. Really? Check check me on that, but I think I remember that uh, it's not that long. And they were both television programs, of course. Uh, 47, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, see? On Come on, man. Rudolph the Red-Nosed <laughs> Reindeer uh, with the runaway... I sounded like Bill Walton there. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I like it. Uh, with the runaway victory for you at 64% of the vote. I uh, like... That's the, that's, the, that's the answer. Because Charlie Brown, he's got the, the Halloween, the Great Pumpkin. He's got the Thanksgiving. He's got He's got all. the Christmas. Yeah, of course. And it's just a... I think it's a, I think it's a tradition. So if your family watched Charlie Brown, you watched Charlie, but we didn't. Sure. And so I, whenever I saw Charlie Brown, it was nap time. I watched. I because <laughs> it's so sleepy. I watched all of them. It was just kind of that's what we did in my house. It was a big event, and so we would we would watch them. But uh, I do agree. I think even though Peanuts probably. You know, uh, what's the word? Pop culturally is more famous. Yeah. I think the Rudolph is more popular. Does that make sense? For those yes. two, for, for the Christmas thing. Meaning, I mean, Peanuts is known worldwide. Everyone loves it. We've read the cartoons. There's been movies. There's been everything. But the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer stop animation from, from 64 was just such a special thing. Yep. Uh, it launched an entire company, Rankin and Bass. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure you'll tell us more about in front of the archives. And General Electric, too, by the way. Okay. That's There's a little that. teaser. But hey, get the Star Wars sounder ready. You got some Star Wars news right I, out of the gate? I do. Okay. Right out of the gate. Hit it. Okay, you ready for this? Yes. Do you remember the 70s horrible holiday uh-huh. special? Uh-huh. Well, Disney has redone it. I've, I've watched it. Yeah? The I Leg- haven't yet. The Lego version? The Lego version, yes. My two-year-old loved it. It looks awesome, and I'm, I'm saving it uh, for next week uh-huh. with my son so we can watch it together, Good. but I love that they still did the Life Day thing. And uh, it's live day. Th- oh, life, yeah, yeah, life, life day. It was the Chewbacca's. Remember the 20 minutes of. Yep. Yep. But uh, I'm excited. How, and and what do you think? Uh, I watched half of it. OK. My da- my daughter watched the whole thing. Why did you watch half? Was it I, just, got, I got tired. Of was it. Jefferson Starship in it? Uh, not the half I saw. 
They were in the original. Okay, well, right. <laughs> and I've only seen parts of the original, to be frank and honest with you. Frank and honest? Yeah. I'm frank and honest. Call me frank <laughs> honest. Frank and honest. Is honest that, frank. Is that like a cousin to Frankenstein? Yes, frank and honest. Okay, I like it. Frank and honest. I love it. That's the name. But uh, it's worth, if you are a Star Wars person, if you're a Lego person, and if you have children especially, it's worth your time. It's it's good. Well, let's be honest. The the Lego animations are great. And they they have jokes in there for adults. The kids love them. The the Lego movie itself, the first one, was such a huge success. And I love that they're taking this all the way down to just Disney Plus as well. Yep, and that's where it was. That's where you could see it. So, uh, good Star Wars news there. How's The Mandalorian going? I haven't watched a second of it yet. It's awesome. It's. Uh, I'm waiting for the whole season. So, it feels, as of right now, um, by the time this airs on Saturday, there will be four episodes. But the first three episodes have a very, let's tie it back into Star Wars. Like, you're seeing stormtroopers. You're seeing X-Wings. You're seeing, hmm. um, you're seeing the, the good guys. You know what I mean? You're seeing just the rebels, the rebels. Mm-hmm. You're just seeing that stuff. And it's it's all post, uh, you know, blowing up the Death Star, the second one. Spoiler alert. Well, oh, come geez. on. You learned that in the first season. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for it to all stack up and I'll binge it. But I will be honest. You do see a Rosario Dawson quick shot in the first three episodes. That's it. Just a quick shot. But it's leading up to it. OK. Excited. And her character name is Asuka. Asuka. The. She's got two lightsabers. So she was right? uh, she was Anakin Skywalker's Padawan in the Clone Wars animation, right? And so, now they've brought her into canon. Yes, on the Mandalorian. Yes, so. this is the first time there's been an actual like live person playing her. Well, let's talk about the new movies at the theaters this week. Let's Tom. do it. Uh, we'll start with the Forgotten Carols, uh, rated PG. Uh, you've probably seen this in person before. Uh, even if you have or you have not, it's going to be a first-time experience for everybody. Starring Michael McLean, Jeff McLean, Scott McLean. Uh, you've got uh, Adrian Swenson, who is incredible as a Connie Lou Chamberlain. Mm. Uncle John recounts the story of Christ's birth to Connie Lou through story and song. See Connie Lou discover what the world has forgotten about Christmas, ultimately opening her heart to the joy of this special season. Johnny, honestly, what I what I said on social media is what I'll share here about this. It's a balm to the soul. Really? Regardless of your religious or non-religious beliefs or connections. It just makes you feel good. It, it is needed yeah. this year more than ever. What this, what this movie, how this movie makes you feel, how this story makes you feel, everybody needs this in 2020. Well, Austin, I can agree with that because I, I have not seen it, but I do know that everybody needs something good in this year. And uh, we're getting close to the end of it. Luckily, and I think this is a good time, and people should definitely check this out. Based on just what you and uh, Whitney have said, you know, it's just awesome. Yeah, it's it's You love it. So uh, I know I'm going to be checking it out in the theater because I didn't get a screener, and uh, (laughs) so I think everyone else should too. We're checking it out in the theater as well because it's not the same at home. No, there's something different about the theater, hands down. Well, I am I am actually going to skip the second one here because I think this is more up your line, the the second one. So I'm going to skip down to Vanguard. Starring Jackie Chan, Yang Yang, and Maya Mukuki? Mukuki. 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 Yeah. Hey, I got that one right finally. Yeah. It's a PG-13 action movie. Of course it's action with Jackie Chan, right? Yes. Covert security company Vanguard is the last hope of survival for an accountant 
after he is targeted by the world's deadliest mercenary organization. Oh, I'm there for this. I love Jackie Chan, and not because he's an Air Supply fan, and I've met him, and I have is his he? yeah, and I have I his mean, autograph. Yeah, stop it. No, he we played China, and uh, he he was there, we, Hong Kong to be exact. And uh, he every time we played, he would send us gigantic flowers, huh. like like massive arrangement. And he finally came to one of the shows, and we got to meet him. Uh, did you ever see The Foreigner? Yes, a couple years ago. Yes. This remi- that's in, that's honestly my favorite Jackie Chan movie ever, okay. The Foreigner, and this sounds like it's up that same alley. It could definitely be up there. I I really love the Rush Hours. I just uh, think yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. I I think Chris Tucker is just the bomb in it. You know, yeah, he's yeah. so good. All right. Uh, the by the way, Jackie Chan has another movie coming out this week as well. We'll get to in a moment. He's been busy. Yes, he has. Uh, we'll go back one to The Last Vermeer. Yes. Now, this, you say this sounds like it's right up my alley. I say that because it's got biography in there. And Guy Pierce, who I think is a terrific actor. And history. The Last Vermeer is rated R. It's a drama, history, biography. And the uh, the setting, World War II, Johnny's right. This is my movie. Mm-hmm. In this captivating, dramatic thriller set just after World War II, actually, Joseph Piller is a soldier investigating renowned Dutch artist Han van Meergeren, who is accused of conspiring with the Nazis. Despite mounting evidence, Pillar becomes increasingly convinced of Han's innocence and finds himself in the unlikely position of fighting to save the life of the colorful man with a mysterious past. This is a must-see. Yeah, I think this, like I said, this is so you. And it, uh, this honestly just screams of Oscar potential. Yeah, so make sure you catch the last Vermeer. And speaking of Oscar potential, we're going to talk about uh, (laughs) Nicolas Cage's movie right here called Jiu Jitsu. Oh, poor Nicolas Cage. (laughs) He's just a laughing line now. It's a rated R action fantasy, and you're about to find out why. Nicolas Cage and Maria, I'm not even going to try that last name. Edgar Polis. Thank you. Frank Grillo, who was in... uh, he was in the, the the Winter Soldier. He was okay. in Captain America's. All right. He was in the Marvel Universe, basically. And Tony Jaa. Mm-hmm. Every six years, the ancient order of jiu-jitsu fighters joins forces to battle a vicious race of alien invaders. Oh, jeez. But when a celebrated war hero goes down in defeat, the fate of the planet and mankind hangs in the balance. I smell an Oscar. You smell something. I probably like more like a Razzie, but uh, you know, more more this, like a never mind. <laughs> you know what? I kind of like movies like this, but talk about the wrong name for the movie. Was he going to use jujitsu to fight the aliens? Yes. Right. It's terrible. You don't use jujitsu. You use gigantic laser guns, <laughs> or you give them a cold like in War of the Worlds. And every six years. They should be, like, ready for it. Yeah, this this ought to be old hat by now. Right. No, thanks. Uh, you tell me how it is, because I, I already know what it is. Look, I, I, I'm not a fan of telling people not to go to the Megaplex to see movies, but this might be a good one to, to well, wait there's, for. There's eight others right. opening this week. This is a good one to wait for. Including a PG-13 action-adventure family film uh, called Iron Mask. Not the man in the Iron Mask. Nope. Just Iron Mask starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Rutger Hauer, mm-hmm. Jason Fleming, and Jackie Chan once again. This seems like a winner to me, too. Early 1700, cartographer Jonathan Green for, from Forbidden Kingdom is back to map the Russian Far East. He's forced on to China, where he confronts the Dragon Master and all. The Iron Masked Russian Tsar escapes the Tower of London to a Russian ship. See, I like this because I, I mentioned last week that I really like period timepieces. 
and this sounds something up my alley. However, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jackie Chan seems a little a little mismatched, but so did The Rock and uh, what was his name? Uh, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Thank you. You know, well, why'd you do the short, uh, the sig- universal signal for short person there? Because he's a hobbit. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's horrible. That's not horrible. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but yeah, this sounds like some, a good piece of family PG 13 adventure historical fiction. He's actually really funny. Iron Mask. I love Kevin Hart, and I love them together. But returning to the big screen at Megaplex this week, they've got your classic screener, and we talked a lot about it last week, John. We sure did. It is 1994's The Santa Claus with an E. Yes, it has. It's the Claus of Santa. Right. Not not Santa Claus. Which was news to nobody but me. No, it was news to me. It took me, like I said, maybe a little bit to figure it out too. But not twenty six like, years old. Yeah, not twenty six years old. I had never. It had never dawned on me. You're still there, though, man. It's good. Yeah. yeah. So uh, those are the movies uh, in the theater this week. Uh, I highly, highly recommend Forgotten Carols. Uh, although Vanguard, Iron Mask, Jiu Jitsu. No. <laughs> uh, no. Th- those ones sound good. No, so. you're not going to catch Jiu Jitsu. No, check it out. All right, coming up next, I will. a lesson in music history. Johnny's got a selection for us and my conversation with Michael McLean and Brandon Purdy of Purdy Distribution talking about the new release of the retooled Forgotten Carols on the big screen. It's all coming up next right here on the Movie Zone. We are You're locked on to the Movie Zone on 97.5-1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back, segment two here on the Movie Zone soundtrack of the week. We usually do a this week in music history, uh, but Johnny's going to save that for next week because we got a special guest, Michael McLean and Brandon Purdy. You're hearing a song from the Forgotten Carols. We had Michael McLean on a few weeks ago to tease the big screen release. Well, it's now upon us. The Forgotten Carols is in theaters this week. Uh, Megaplex Cinemark, anywhere you can find it. Check it out at ForgottenCarols.com. And Johnny, I had a, I had a great opportunity to see the movie. I'll work on getting them to send you a copy as well. Uh, it's okay, man. I get it. I know how it is. And uh, Second also, fiddle over here. Also a great opportunity <laughs> to, to speak with Michael and Brandon about this uh, this movie, this show that is uh, a tradition in so many families' Christmas seasons every year. And now you've got a different, special, unique way to see it. So here it is, my conversation uh, with Michael McLean and Brandon Purdy of The Forgotten Carols. Before we get into it too far, my wife, as you as you know, Michael, I told you last time we had you on the show, is a huge, huge fan of you and Forgotten Carols, and it's been so influential, influential in her and her family's lives. And I wanted, I, when I came home with the screener uh, last night that Michelle was so kind enough to let us watch at home, I told, I didn't tell my wife what I had. I said, this is the biggest surprise I've ever had for you. And I just pushed play and let her figure it out. And her reaction was so fun that I actually went back on our security camera and pulled the audio and I wanted to play her reaction for you guys. That's great. <laughs> so there you go. She was beside herself so excited. And wow. let me tell you, it, it was an amazing, you guys, but Michael, you need to be absolutely proud of what you and your sons and everyone, your wife, everyone involved uh, did uh, in the rewriting of this production and the distribution, the way it was made. Everyone involved should be proud, Michael. It was great. Thank you. That means so much. Thank you so, so very much. And by the way, I'm going to have to get that tape 
from your wife. I, 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 I'm going to put it on my cell phone. And during the days when I'm a little bit discouraged or depressed, I'm going to say, no, I'm not, I'm not worthless. Listen to this. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's great. That's great. I'm pretty blessed. That's what life is like every day with her. Uh, but it's not that she was so excited. That was the most excited I've ever seen her, but let's start. Uh, we need yeah, to get to, good. we do need to do the intro Brandon a little here. And with Purdy distribution, you know, a, a bunch of the movies that Purdy's been involved with. My personal favorites are the saints and soldiers. Uh, but we also love Sally Carmichael, uh, Trek. The movie is a big one at our house as well. Uh, but we'll get to you in just a minute, Brandon, and your in- involvement with the forgotten carols, Michael, we're here. We're, we're talking about opening in theaters this week. What's going through your mind right now as you get ready to debut the new Forgotten Carols? Um, I, I, a lot of things are running through my mind. First of all, when I was going down Main Street in our little town of Heber, and I saw the Forgotten Carols on the marquee of the Avon mm. starting this week, um, I thought, I have arrived. I can die now. <laughs> I, I, it was really cool. I've been in Heber since 84, and I love this little town, and, and so that was huge. Um, the second thing is almost as cool as your wife screaming <laughs> is I was looking on uh, social media and uh, Joy Bates said that her granddaughter Zoe had saved up three months of allowance and has bought tickets so she can see it five times Wow! this opening weekend. And, and, it, and it really got to me in a, I wasn't quite prepared for it, but she said, Grandma, I'm, I'm so glad that I've been saving my allowance because it's not enough to just see it once. I just, I just have to see it again and again. And, it, you know, and for a guy who doesn't have a lot of confidence in himself, but to feel like the, the sacrifices everyone has made and the miracles that had to happen so that those people for whom this is an important part of their holidays, um, that I didn't let them down, uh, that we made it possible. It, I give it, I, it's goofy. I start crying. I, it's just very emotional to me, and I'm very grateful. Uh, along those lines, Brandon, as we're talking about the emotions of the Forgotten Carols, when you were looking for uh, theaters to, to line up and, and book, especially in a pandemic world where the theaters are looking to book anything and everything, what was their reaction as you said, no, this is Michael McLean's The Forgotten Carols on the big screen? What reactions did you hear from the theaters? You know, I got I got a mix of reactions, but Megaplex Theaters in Utah, which is always um, a great partner in, in the films that we distribute, they right away, they got it, and they were on board, and um, they've completely been supportive the whole time. And uh, and other theater chains, as time has progressed, as the trailer has come out of people in the art, um, we've, we've actually had more requests than we can even accommodate to play the film, and we're getting people calling us from all across the country wanting to play the film and a follow-up i mentioned we saw the screener at home it's not the same as being in a theater on the big screen with the big sound and the big chairs and the concessions brandon what experience will people be getting when they see this in theaters you know i i love the cinema i i love cinema almost as much as i love film and so for me there's nothing like watching a movie um, 
communally and being together with people that you love and um, being able to share in that, that, you know, that experience together. So the sound and the picture, I mean, it's immersive and, um, and it's, it's beautiful. It's just really, it's a whole nother level on the big screen. Michael, uh, Michelle Moore, uh, the, the PR guru and the, the incredible person that she is, she wrote uh, a few questions for me. And I want to steal one from her that she wrote because I'm interested in your answer. You've seen the final cut, obviously. It's one thing, uh, you know, for those of us who have been in theater or done movies before, and you, you kind of do it out of order. And then when you finally see it up on the screen, it's almost like, oh, that's what we were making. What kind of reaction and emotion did you experience when you saw the final cut of this uh, reimagined and retooled edition, uh, Michael? Well, I'm actually, as I speak to you now, I'm sitting in the screening room with a big screening because we screened this this morning for some VIPs. Mm. And um, and uh, two things were really interesting to me. First of all, I haven't had a chance to see the Forgotten Girls because I've been in it <laughs> and um, I've been presenting it and doing it. So I've never watched the Forgotten Girls except, you know, kind of out of the corner of my eye. And I thought about being in a theater with other people because I could hear them laugh and I could, and some would start, you know, they were socially distanced and they had masks and did all the right protocol things. But I really got this sense of the energy that I, has sustained me for 29 years. And that's that feeling that all those people in the room are on the same page, having these similar feelings. But what I was watching for is how closely does this, you know, 15 different camera angles of our play capture what it's like to be there. And, um, I thought Christy Summerhays, our director and Tyler Weston, our DP guy, I think they did an amazing job of making it absolutely clear, this is not a movie. This is a cinematic stage-to-screen adaptation of something that has been a play for all these years, but we were able to do it better than we've ever done it before. And I, and I thought, how cool for people, for people who over the years have come to like the D Event Center in Ogden and 5,000 people are there and I'm a spec down, you know, they're in the nosebleed and I'm right. a spec. But here, everybody, everybody has a front row seat. And that is the coolest thing. You get the energy of a crowd with you. It sounds great. Every seat is perfect. And, um, and you can see these are old nose hairs. And, I mean, it's, it's so cool. It's, that's there. You know, as I said to my wife, does this movie make my butt look big? And she says, oh, welcome to my world. And so I... Um, I, I quit looking at my chubbiness or the why did I say that or why did I do that? And the story started to roll over me. And I thought, in all the years that I dreamed of, you know, it was 40 years ago that Mr. Kruger's Christmas was released. And I always thought with the Forgotten Carols um, that if it was going to happen, for people to see it in a movie theater, it would have to have, you know, Emily Blunt and Anthony Hopkins or, you know, some big... <laughs> thing and um and all of the big big studios that would talk to you about it when we were trying to raise money for it just said you know it's impossible for a small little story like this to compete in movie screens because you're competing with pixar and disney and the avengers 29 or you know whatever it is and only because of the insight and the wisdom of brandon purdy 
I would, this would not be happening if my friends, uh, brother from another mother for all these years hadn't been so encouraging and so supportive and said, this is the, there's this window of opportunity that we could really do something special here. And it's during COVID times. It's, needed now more than ever so good on him uh, and uh, to that end brandon how how uh nerve-wracking is it to take uh everyone in utah and everyone that's seen this fan this this uh this show before this, everyone's baby this forgotten carols how nerve-wracking was it to take that and try to make it into a production that can be shown on the screen but as michael said doesn't feel like a movie it feels like you're there at cottonwood auditorium or the d event center as michael said yeah, I mean, you know, we've released a lot of films over the years theatrically, and every film you kind of feel like, oh, how's this going to go? But uh, as soon as I heard that they were making this production, and when I looked at uh, who was producing it um, and uh, who was directing it, and I've, I've always loved uh, Michael McLean and his music, and um, I've considered him a friend. I mean, as soon as I heard about it, I thought, this is the perfect content for this time. Not only because theaters are open to all sorts of different ideas, but like Michael said, we just need it. We need it on so many levels. And, uh, and, and we were, I was just honored to be able to be in the right place at the right time and to be able to have a moment to be able to put this in theaters. Kind of a similar question for you, Michael. This is your baby, uh, and you you uh, made some changes and some rewrites and some retooling. And when we had you on the Movie Zone a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago now, I had some people react with, "Oh no, I, I'm not, they were nervous about the the Forgotten Carols being changed and tweaked." And uh, as we watched it, I, I thought this is this feels like is how it should have always been. Not to say that it wasn't the masterpiece before, but watching it, it felt like this is this is right. How, how do you feel about how the retooling and tweaks went? Well, first of all, thanks for saying that, because um, my son, Scott, who did so much of the heavy lifting of the adaptations for last year's presentation, we, we thought we'd have the, the money lined up to make it into a film. And we had, to, we had a deadline to get the screenplay for all the things that we could do visually uh, if it was a movie, not something that was limited to the stage. And I was so blown away by the questions that he asked and the way his screenplay answered those. And um, then I said, do you think there's any way, Scott, that we could adapt this? Let's get our director, um, Christy Summerhays involved. Could we adapt this for 2019, last year? And, um, and people basically said, why would you change a tradition that's been so successful. Why, why would you risk the franchise to del- tell this story this way? And, and my answer was, it's because I changed. And because I felt like, because people who've come to this for years and years and years know that every year there's a tweet. There's a, ooh, that's a fresh thought, or I hadn't seen that before. But when we started to work real seriously on getting this ready for last production last year, and we did this ad about, you know, come see the Forgotten Carols. I changed it after all these years. There was some trepidation, but I felt peaceful because everything Scott and I wrote, our bottom line was, if it doesn't feel like it was always there from the beginning, we wouldn't put it in. 
Mm. Uh, and, and you'll say, well, that's, that's a little different, but wasn't that always there? Wasn't that song always there? Yeah. Um, wasn't that joke always there instead of being um, handicapped? And the other thing is, I think, uh, because you've had a chance to see how it unfolds, the payoff at the end of that thing, I just and I just watched it an hour ago, and um, I got chilled mm-hmm. thinking about those final lines that Connie Lou says in this film and how she's speaking to the world mm-hmm. about don't be so scared. Oh, my gosh. It just it's I'm so thrilled that we get a chance to present it the way it was always meant to be. And um, uh, and, you know, when you make changes, people say, oh, but when I first saw this, I remember when you did the talking furniture and you did it all by yourself. That was great. Or, Ooh, I loved it when Katie Thompson was the true and living Connie Lou. And, Oh no, 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 no. What, what about that time when you did blah, blah, blah. This is the one that I, when I brought dead, you're going to say, no, that's the one, <laughs> that one that they filmed, the one they put in the movie theater. Let's watch that right after, uh, it's a wonderful life at Mr. Kruger's Christmas. Right. No, you absolutely are correct in saying that. And to uh, to the point about Connie Lou, uh, Adrian Swenson, who who plays Connie Lou, she was her performance was phenomenal. For phenomenal to take on, take on such a heavy tradition, a role that you have such uh, pressure built up on. Don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. She took it. She made it her own, and it was great. Thanks, Austin. Because just watching it again. Just right now, I just thought, I am so lucky. And I think people who, who compliment me, who's really not, you know, an actor guy, why did I act so well in this production? Because on the other side of the stage was, well, it was really Connie Lee Chamberlain, uh, that I think her, is also known as Adrian Swenson, and she's not, I mean, I just <laughs> believe from the second we started, I thought, that's who she, she's that person. Mm. It was amazing. It yep. was amazing. Uh, and uh, Brandon, as you mentioned a moment ago, and Michael's talked to uh, talked to this point as well. When we're sick, when we have a boo-boo, when we have an owie, we look for something to soothe it, to calm it, a balm of sorts. And I, I just kept saying to my wife, uh, this movie is absolutely necessary for everybody right now because we could all use a balm of some kind. Uh, do you get similar feelings uh, as you look at how this has come together? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, from a business standpoint, I was excited about this film, but from a, a, a human standpoint and from experiencing this year from a range of, you know, pandemic to wildfires to political strife, to social struggles, um, I just I, I just kept, I keep thinking to myself every step of the way. We make a poster, make a trailer. I see a first cut of the film. I see a final cut of the film. Every step of the way, I just keep thinking like this is so timely. This is so important for right now for all of us just to have something peaceful and positive and uplifting and inspiring. And um, and you know I think that's really true of of a lot of Michael's work. It's like yes. every season it becomes relevant in that moment. And, and it's really universal. And I think that's a special thing that very few artists uh, are able to do. 
Uh, last thing, I have a, a kind of a selfish curiosity, Michael. What's it like working all these years with two of your sons and your wife? And I, I assume there's other family members and friends who, uh, what's it like to work on something like this year in and year out? Do you have to like take a vacation from each other or is it all fun and games? <laughs> yes, it's all fun and games. There is no strife. There is no conflict. The spirit always resonates. You can see it beam from our hearts as if we were in the Young Ambassadors. That's exactly right. And I'm so glad you brought this up because I've certainly never had any stress the guy with a nine-year-long faith crisis and a gay son and i mean come on it's hard life is hard but here's the great uh, the reason I, I i i speak facetiously about it is the great gift in my tribe is the way our family deals with conflict and challenge and heartache and misunderstanding and disappointment and trauma is art if we can if if no matter what we've gone through, no matter what our challenge has been, when we get on stage, when, when Jeff and I are singing together at Love Loud with Imagine Dragons, <laughs> there, is a, there is a thing that happens in our family that is healing. That's the healing balm. And when Scott comes and, and, and writes this script that is so profound and gives it such an insight and, and makes it better and, and helps tweak it, and then... Lynn, who I beg her every year to do this. This, this is not what she wants to do, but I, I beg her to do it. And, and then I just feel, and my son-in-law, Tyler Castleton, who's been producing the tour for forever, and my daughter, my, my grandchildren come to the rehearsals and give me notes. <laughs> Papa, I think you'd sound better if you said it. Now, you know that line when you say this? Wait just a minute. Right after you say this, mm-hmm. then you say, John the Beloved. I mean, she'll say, John the Beloved, you just wait a minute before you say it. <laughs> and I, how cool is that? I get to have the joy of doing what I think is what I'm here to do with the people I love the most. That's the gift. That uh, And thank you for sharing it with us and making us feel like a part of the family every year. Brandon, where can we see Forgotten Carols in theaters and how can we find times to see it? Yeah, uh, so the, the movie is uh, playing in 60 theaters in seven states, uh, also in, in Canada. And you can find full theater listings at ForgottenCarols.com. And uh, it's at all the major movie theaters in Utah, uh, Megaplex and Cinemark. Um, and uh, there's all sorts of different ways you can see it. There's private family rentals that are available if you contact Megaplex theaters. And, uh, yeah, we hope everybody comes out opening weekend and sees the film. Well, uh, honestly, I've said it already, but I'm saying it again from my heart to both of you and your families. Thank you so much for not only doing this for, uh, you know, Mr. Kruger's Christmas now turning 40, you say, uh, but the Forgotten Carols is right there on it. And now we've got this beautiful uh, depiction on the big screen to enjoy. Michael and Brandon, thank you so much for doing that. And thank you for generosity with your time today. Great to be with you. Thanks, brother. Great, guys. Excited mm. for everyone to see this movie. Johnny, uh, I, I don't know if you've checked your email inbox, but you should have it there for you. I will have that for sure. But also go see it in the theater. I'm going to. And, yeah. you know, um, listening to it, like I said, you were part of that interview, and I just got to finally listen to it. And I'm really excited for this movie. I think I love what they're doing, and 
as you mentioned in the previous segment, it's such a pick-me-up right now, and it's got a great message that we all need. And just for that alone, it's yeah. worth seeing. It's a must-see for 2020. Mm-hmm. I don't care what your religious or non-religious beliefs are. It's a must-see for everyone that's lived through 2020. I, yeah. Check it out. You'll feel better. All right, coming up next, we go into the archives and we talk about the 1964 classic little-known facts and factoids about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Next, here on the Movie Zone. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid, Donner and Blitzen. You're locked on to the Movie Zone on 97.5-1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Well, as you hear, you know all their names, and that song can only mean one thing here on the Movie Zone. It's time for From the Archives, and yes, we're giving little-known facts about 1964's stop animation, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer television program special, Johnny. Yes. Hit us with the little-known facts. Well, directed by... Larry. We're just going to call him Larry. Yeah, Larry the Larry, director. Larry the director. Writers are Romeo and Robert. We're not going to go last names. We're just going to go first names on this. <laughs> Starring Bill May Richards, who sure. played Rudolph. Sure. Billy May Richards, sorry. Billy May Richards. Sure. Burt Ives, who played the snowman. Burl Ives. Yep, yeah. him too. And Larry Mann, who was Yukon Cornelius. Love Yukon Cornelius. This, this was such a big part of my childhood and i would sit and watch and wait for this to come you know yeah. now now there's dvds and it airs several times back when i was a kid it was a one time one night you're staying up late to watch it kind of thing yeah and i loved it and i love the fact that it was stop animation way back then which is so cool and i don't know if you knew this but this has been telecasted every year since 1964, making it the longest continuous running Christmas TV special. The 50th anniversary special was marked in 2014, and a series of postage stamps were even made featuring Rudolph that issued here on November 6th in the United States. That's pretty cool. That's how important this this is. And look, there's some references in this movie that are uh, no longer appropriate or politically correct, but it's... It, it, you got to remember when it was made, and like you said, it's a part of a lot of people's childhood. I know the uh, the commercials by heart. Oh yeah, that, off of the VHS recording that we have I'm at my mom's house. I'm sure it's got the grain and the the stripes going through it and everything, and the warped sound. And, oh yep, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, this uh, as as you mentioned earlier, this is 47 minutes long, and that took 18 months to film 47 minutes that's that stop animation and it took 22 room size sets wow to complete and tell us about the puppets so the puppets um they were not made very well yeah but you can find them they are still kind of kicking around there so the santa puppet was eight inches tall young rudolph was four inches tall and his nose really did light up yeah the puppeteers are made from wood wire and fabric and are very, very fragile. And they just sold at an auction for $360,000 at Santa and Rudolph together. Wow, that's, that's really, unbelievable. Wow. And it was in the, the possession of uh, Rankin's secretary's nephew. It was in his attic, mm-hmm. and he took it to Antiques Roadshow and sold it for like $10,000. And then this guy that had it since then sold it for three sixty four this last week. Well, if the uh, Rudolph character looked really familiar to you, that's because it was actually created for Montgomery Ward's department store by an employee, uh-huh. Robert May, in 1939 as part of their advertising campaign. So he'd been around, Rudolph had been around for a long time. Yes, that that run, then they finally made the TV show based on that. Wow. Now, speaking of other shows based on this, remember the movie Elf? 
Yes. With uh, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Yeah. You know, in that feature film, which is in 2003, the North Pole is in there, of course, right? And the elf costumes for Buddy and the other elves were modeled after the clothes from this. Yeah, for sure. That's and if you, pretty obvious. And yeah. if you even look closer, the character of Leon the Snowman bears a very strong resemblance to Burl. Yep. I, they did that all on purpose. They well, sure did. We're short on time this week, but uh, maybe we need to revisit more of this next week. There is. I probably got another 10 things that we can still talk about, but I know we're short, so we probably should, as it gets closer to Christmas, and this will be coming out on TV again, we should talk about it then. We'll revisit more facts and little-known facts about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Our thanks to Mike McLean and Brandon Purdy of The Forgotten Carols. Check it out in theaters starting Friday. Megaplex, Cinemark, they've all got it, and uh, it's well worth your time. Johnny, good job, buddy. Same to you. We'll see you on Thanksgiving. We've got a special noon Thanksgiving show next week. I like it. We'll do it socially distanced. Of course. Per the governor and the government and all the rules because we want to have a Christmas. I might have stuffing on my mouth, but I will be doing it. But we'll be here at noon next Thursday. Happy Thanksgiving. He's Johnny. I'm Austin. See you next week on The Movie Zone.